Incoming pitch, spin rate of 2,500 RPM, 95.6 miles per hour. Uh, adjusting swing, 12 degrees. Proceed with launch angle. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Launch Angle Podcast. I'm Rob D., the Deadpool hitter. I'll be bringing in my co-host very soon, Mr. Jeff Zimmerman. Catch him on Twitter at JeffWZimmerman and Rob Silver at Rob Silver. And the Launch Angle Podcast page on Twitter at Launch Angle Pod. I myself host a podcast called the Pull Hitter Podcast. If you want to check that out, if you haven't done so already, that would be greatly appreciated as well. And any ratings and reviews toward the Launch Angle Podcast always helps us to be better found. For anyone listening to podcasts and who want to get better at fantasy baseball, this week we're coming in hot again with another run of ADP players. We're starting at roughly about 163 in the last three weeks of NFBC ADP for draft champions, which is a 15-team draft and hold, 50 rounds. This week we're talking Jeffrey Springs, Pete Fairbanks, Thyro Estrada, Cal Rowley, Vaughn Grissom, Drew Rasmussen, Harrison Bader, Brandon Lau, Cabrian Hayes, Tony Gonsolin, Brady Singer, Ty France, Jose LeClerc, and Brandon Nimmo. Several different positions. You'll hear our angles. We're talking about why we want to draft the players and why we may want to steer clear and sometimes how it just makes sense for roster construction to add some of these players. So hope everyone enjoys. Thanks for everyone for coming back and giving us your full support and all your ears for listening. Appreciate all the feedback as well on Twitter and email. Really helps us out a bunch. And um, here we go. Let's get hot. Here's the pitch. Uh, Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Launch Angle Podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob DiPietro. I'm here with my fellow co-host, Rob Silver and Jeff Zimmerman. Fellas, how are you doing today? And how has it been in the last week since we came with a major comeback story? It's been good. Like this is the this this is the biggest uh, comeback since like Fat Elvis uh, did that Christmas uh, special uh, fifty years ago. Uh, I don't know about about you, Jeff, or you, Rob. Like the, the sincerely, the response and the reaction has been uh, really positive, and people seem to be legitimately really excited to have the podcast back to have Rob join us, uh, which is obviously you know taking nothing away from Van, but. Uh, has been fantastic, so I, I'm thrilled with the reaction. With one one tiny exception that I'd, I'd love to chat about, but I'm I'm thrilled with the reaction. What do you mean, Jeff? Yeah, the reaction's been great. It's been um kind of got me back on my toes, making sure I was all over this group of players. And um, no, it's just nice to get together for a week and um, look through why we like or dislike certain players, and um, just ready to get started again. So the one, the one, the one reaction, um, uh, and look, I like negative reaction. I'm a weirdo. Maybe it's because I used to do Canadian political television. Um, I love getting positive comments. I like getting negative comments too. The only time I, I, I used to leave TV and and be like, what's going on? Is if nobody reacts. If there's no comments, then it's like, how boring was this? So if you if you don't like something I said, if you don't like my voice, if you don't like like my giant nose that's that's fine like let me know it's it's better to have negative reaction than no reaction so i'm not looking to dox the guy so i'm not going to give you his uh twitter handle handle but this guy andrew uh replied to to rob DiPietro, said love your work rob 
was it just me or did Rob Silver sound like a giant dick the whole pod? Um, and first off, I didn't listen back to the pod, but it does not surprise me that I sounded like a, a giant dick the whole pod. It's kind of my shtick. And if you're if you're new to me, that that's kind of what I, I do. And, you know, I made fun of uh, Rob and Rob. I, I was saying this before we started recording. Rob knows I think he's a tremendous uh, fantasy player. He's a tremendous podcast host. We're lucky to have him. So when I joked about his zone contact rate and the uh you know the barrel league that i hope to join uh it's just it's just jokes but what i did want to raise with rob is not what andrew had to say it was rob's reaction so andrew andrew tweets saying rob silver sounds like a giant dick rob dipietro's response thanks andrew <laughs> that was literally your response was rob's a giant asshole and dick the entire podcast like an hour and a half of just being a giant and i'm just i'm i'm not swearing i'm just i'm just quoting uh andrew here and rob dipietro's response is thanks andrew which i have to sort of assume rob that andrew is your burner account uh, at this point like <laughs> I don't know, but anyways, I, it's, 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 I, it's, I'm, I'm just joking around. I think it's, uh, I think it's great. And uh, again, I'm not, I'm not looking for anybody to attack Andrew or anything. I think it's, it's all in good fun. It's a, it's a freaking fantasy baseball podcast. Like I don't take it, I take, I take it seriously, but I also don't take it seriously at all. So it's all good. I think you had the appropriate response on the uh, quote tweet, and I knew that you were going to step up to the plate and defend yourself. My, my and, response and he, for those who, who didn't see it was like, give me I, I think at this point I am entitled to some respect. I wasn't just a jick, a dick. I was a giant dick and size does matter. Anyways, that's that's <laughs> it for that. <laughs> yeah, but overall, I think you're right. You guys have said that the response has been awesome. I got several emails and whether it's from Jeff's daughter or someone really truly um, <laughs> liking the podcast. I appreciate all the feedback is, uh, you know, all of it is good. I mean, I, I had more, I had more emails in at this podcast in mind for three years. So I guess a lot of people are listening. So I didn't even so realize Van still had an operating email account for the, the, uh, for the podcast and that people somehow had the email address. Uh, it just kind of surprises me. I made a new one. I made a oh, new one. Oh, there you go. You yeah. made a new one. Never yeah. mind then. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It, it's only this, you know, my seventh email you've account. Really, so. You've really <laughs> pro professionalized the uh, the operations here of the podcast, Rob. I'm trying, man. I, <laughs> I, I look up a checklist on how to be a, a successful podcaster and marketer and I'm um, just trying to check the boxes. You're killing it. <laughs> Jeff, how was your week, Jeff? Um, you've been mining the news. You're pumping out articles on fan graphs, talking about the projection accuracies. Um, you finding anything good on the wire these days? Yeah, it's it's just completely mining the news right now. There's just so much coming out. Like every time it's I just have to stop reading, finish the article, and then go back. I haven't even stopped doing that. So at some point, maybe the beat writers will get bored and, you know, after some spring training game, you know, where they had to throw in 20 different pitchers, number 95 through 99, you know, pitchers all through two innings and stuff like that, that maybe the content will die down. But um, right now, it's just keep reading and hope to find what you can. I mean, it's definitely we're getting that stage right now where all these guys came in and you find out who was hurt and who wasn't and who had a surgery you didn't even know about. And so, um, yeah, just a lot of valuations are changing right now based on that. And a few manager comments, I don't know how much to believe some of those right now, but 
we'll get into some of the stuff that we don't know about and some of the guys coming up here that can really move their values up and down. Yeah, the, the, the one line that always jumps out at me, and we just saw it with uh, Felix Batista from the Orioles, uh, Baltimore's uh, closer today, uh, we're recording on uh, on Thursday around lunchtime, uh, is anybody who says, I'm still hopeful to be ready for opening day in February, <laughs> that is the biggest red flag uh, uh, to me. There's so much noise, and that can, of course, be noise because maybe, you know, they're just, a, they, they speak cautiously. But in a world of best shape of my life and everything is awesome, if I hope to be ready six weeks from now, that tells me you are in a lot of pain and have almost no chance of being ready. Do you agree, Jeff? Like that's that's just that's to me the giant red flag right now. Yeah, that's yes, that's the one. Or like anyone that's not throwing, like the whole Degrom bit. Like, oh, we're just going to let him like off. And last year, like some people backed off from Wheeler, but I think as a general rule, you only have to draft ten percent of the players or like them. And maybe you know if you're in multiple leagues, 25 percent. It's fine just to cross someone off if you don't feel like, you know, it's going to work. So, I mean, it's not like, I'm, you know, it's not like, oh, we get to draft 90% and you get to pick out the 10%, you know, that are bad or anything. It's the only, you get a hand pick who you want to have on your team. So um, right now it's like, I don't, that whole like, oh, he's already hurt with the Grom. Like, oh my God, I was out and now I'm even mo more so unless he drops a few rounds. Yeah, Bautista is hurt. It looks like Dylan Tate is going to miss the first month of the season. So my two shares of Brian Baker in round 47 in God knows what is uh, all of a sudden bubbling up to be quite interesting so far. But um, you're living, you're li you're living on Baker Street. I'm yeah, oh yeah, I'm baking, I'm baking every day, baby. <laughs> I think I have him in all my draft and holds. He like had two saves to like end the season, so. I was like, well, he's like the backup. I mean, it was obviously Batista, but when you're in the 48th, those freaking last rounds, it's like you're grabbing at anything. It will especially, be interesting. How, sorry, sorry, Rob, go ahead. No, I was going to say, especially when you just take a look at the um, the overall winner in the draft champions last season, his last 10 rounds had Helsley, had Duran, had LeClerc, um, and I think one more closer that got 10-plus saves. And so <laughs> when you're speculating late, you could find a whole bunch of – you know, that's the spot. That's the spot. To do it for sure. Yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting how far Batista, who was going uh, in D.C.'s at least up to, till now, as if he was a stud, reliable closer, despite his walk rate, despite, you know, but, but, but I understand why people really like Batista. It'll be interesting how much he falls now uh, in drafts, given uh, this news. I have to assume it's at least a couple of rounds, but there's a point at which... I'm not going to be ready for opening day for a closer who I do think, you know, Baker Baker jokes or comments aside, I think a healthy Batista does get first shot and a relatively long leash of the closer job. It'll be interesting just how much of a discount you may be able uh, to get on, uh, on him, especially in a DC context where you can back him up with the Baker. If it's a, you know, a, a live fab draft main, he's, he's going to be on the, the IL. I understand being pretty skittish in a DC. If there's enough of a discount, he could become a, an interesting buy for him there. Absolutely. So where would you take more advantage, Rob, of news like that or someone shooting up the charts because they have a new swing change? Uh, needless <laughs> to say, uh, uh, injury, new injury news is the one truly actionable piece of news coming out uh, this type of year. It's also um, 
it's like jokes aside, and, and I think Jeff put it really well just now. Um, it's it's okay. Some people say to me, like, Rob, you seem to hate every player. Like, why do you hate everybody? I think it's actually a really good thing to be negative on players, to, to, to like emphasize the guys i don't want them this and the the adp analysis kind of forces us with whether whether you like them or not we have to talk about them uh so so but i i think it's a really healthy thing to be in a mindset of i'm as i am so passionate about the guys i don't want to draft uh, way more so than the guys i do want to draft and i actually think it, it's has served me very well of I'm kind of um, far more agnostic about the guys I do want to draft. It's not FOMO. It's not like I must have these guys, whereas I'm passionate about the guys I want no part of uh, this year. So, yeah, I, injuries I, I, at this time of year are very actionable. Um, swing changes, best shape of life. Look how many home runs he hit in soft pitch batting practice. Um it's hard, but you just have to tune that crap out. It's it's so damaging, and we're all human beings. It's hard to resist it, but you have to tune the noise out. It is so important. Absolutely. It's just like that Jacob DeGrom baggie that you mentioned last week. Yeah. It's just waving in front of us to just digest and take. But let's just get right into the player analysis. We're going to start off at ADP, about 163, Mr. Jeffrey Spring, Springs. Starting pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, took a big jump in innings. 129 total innings pitched from 2018 to 2021 to 135 last year. Strictly relegated to 80 pitches per start. How do you guys like Jeffrey Springs this year, Jeff? I like him. Um, I think he's fine. I don't know if I'm going to push him up more. Um, the innings and the way Tampa kind of uses him, they gave him a little bit more pitches and not a ton more innings late. Um, one thing I noticed with him is he really struggled to keep up his velocity, but the, that was throughout the whole season. Like he lost over a mile and a half by the third time he saw a lineup, but maybe that didn't exist toward the end. I haven't run those numbers. It takes a little bit of Excel work and over to Savant to get the exact ones. But even with that, I think this is just a perfectly fine, like all these guys have some kind of warts. He's on a team that he could definitely get some wins with. And um, yeah, I really don't don't see anything wrong with him. It's just more the length of how many innings he's going to throw and per start, and how many starts he's going to get. It's not just that he took a big jump in innings because uh, that happened. He had had four starts in his lifetime above a ball going into last season, right? Like this is the Tampa Bay ish of Tampa Bay. Like, where the hell did Jeff Springs come from? He was just one of, like, 50 high-talented, high-skilled relief pitchers that were indistinguishable. Like, you honestly could have put Jeffrey Springs in a lineup of guys who looked like baseball players, and none of us would have picked him out of the lineup. Anybody who says they would have is, is lying. And he really did have, like, a spectacular season last year. Like, if you look at pitchers... Uh, starting pitchers who didn't hit 140 innings. So what you could call kind of low volume, but full season starting pitchers. The order went Tony Gonsolin, who in terms of um, dollar value is earned. Gonsolin, Strider, Kershaw, Springs. That's pretty friggin' good company. Uh, and I didn't fully appreciate just how good and just how valuable he was. I understood how valuable Strider and Gonsolin uh, and, and Kershaw um, were. 
his change up against righties is a spectacular pitch. Like it's a plus, 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 plus uh, pitch. So he has uh, the nasty uh, stuff. Like my natural inclination is to be skeptical uh, about him. Um, but I agree with Jeff, like at this price, He's a really good piece. An interesting question I have for you, for both of you, because we'll talk about another Tampa starting pitcher uh, in, in five minutes. Is it possible this year that Tampa has, like assuming health, a five-man rotation and roll their five-man rotation and like manage them? Because obviously, like Tyler Glass, now they're going to manage. They're, they're Tampa at the end of the day. They're going to watch third time through the rotation. Um, but that's that's what 90% of teams uh, do. But is it possible that Tampa just rolls that five-man rotation as long as they possibly can? And when there's injuries, they'll, they'll replace the guy who's injured. And this is the most, quote-unquote, normal Tampa rotation in, like, I don't know when, a decade plus, though? I don't know what you guys think. It just feels like they may yeah. just have a five-man rotation this year. and use an opener very sparingly. I don't know. I think so. I mean, I'm looking at Torino's Patino, Josh Fleming as the next three in line to get starts. Maybe some guys from the minors and Taj Bradley, but I would agree. This looks the most normal. The Rays have gone into um, approach wise too. Like you said, eliminating the openers little by little. Um, yeah. hundred uh, percent. What do you, what do you think, Jeff? Have you read anything in your mining of the news about Tampa? I mean, they, the problem is they don't, talk about this shit like this they they, <laughs> they just do it right well the one thing they've talked about is they do think it's really good it's like it might they were even mentions it might be the best rotation in the game yeah i think the one thing tampa will do is if someone's hurt or if they're a little bit down we may get some phantom il stints in like august early september so if like glass now if he's still like just they want to get him rested for the playoffs. I think they've got enough pitching to go into the playoffs that I could see them players get hurt or some weird stuff happening late. Just like if, if they know they're going to make the playoffs and they kind of want to set things up and get everyone healthy, I could see something like that happen with them. Uh, the one thing I will say, because we're never going to talk about him given his ADP, Tyler Glass now is by far the Tampa uh, starting pitcher who I can guarantee you I will not own uh, this uh, uh, this year. I but his stuff plus, man. His stuff plus is uh, off the charts. I under the charts. I understand why people love Tyler Glass now. Everybody like when for the first, second, and third inning, when Tyler Glass now is good, <laughs> there is no better pitcher to watch. Like he, he is, he, you, he is one of the the few pitchers in baseball that you watch when he is on and you're like how does anybody ever get a hit against tyler glass now like this it is impossible for a major league hitter even to get a hit off this guy but boy there are so many ways at his adp that that season goes wrong and there's only one way that it goes right and it's that he's dominant and gets volume so he is by far the easiest of their five starting pitchers for me like eflin's eflin but uh um but like I don't know. I, I I I understand his ADP. It is not for me. It's for other people. Yeah, and you guys mentioned the phantom injury thing. I I kind of thought during the season that Springs had one, but when I was mining the news myself, um, the past couple of days, I saw that he actually he they quoted his lower leg tightness, but they also stated that he went through um some stuff with his five months old son being in the hospital for a little bit. So. Um, again, you know, it may have been phantom 
with the title, but not really, you know, what, what was going on personally with him. Um, but let's keep it rolling with the Tampa Bay Rays and let's go to Mr. Pete Fairbanks. Big difference right now in his the um, 400 DC ADP to his regular 150 DC, but he's averaged 28 innings in the last four years. Um, what can go wrong here with this pick, Jeff? <laughs> oh, I'm... this is one where I'm not backing off. Like the injury risk is... It's there. He hasn't thrown that many inning. But everything Tampa said, he's their closer. He's by far their best reliever. I think he's going to get the most high leverage situations as long as he can stay healthy. He was given that job last year. So I think it kind of depends on your team. Um, some teams he may be their first closer and you're kind of I don't know if I really want that if I was building my team it's just like well you can end up with zero but I could also see a team where they grab someone early um like Kenley Jansen and then just get Fairbanks and be like all right I'm just roll with it and maybe later on take another dart at someone else but I think he's a fine second dart I would just be worried about him being my first one and then you know then you're out then you have no closers, but talent wise, everything's great. Like I, that's just not an issue. It's just, if he can throw over 20 innings. Uh, it doesn't surprise me, Rob, that as uh, kind of the sharps get into the 400 DCs and then the thousand DCs that his ADP uh, starts looking a lot more like, I think it's going to look uh, like when we're live in March to, I mean, what what's the big thing that changed his contract changed everything uh, for me. There's two reasons why Tampa plays the closer games that they play. The first one is a baseball-related one, which is they want the best pitchers pitching in high-leverage situations would be the argument. And the second one is a money uh, situation, which is if you have have a player under control based on uh, the stupidity of the arbitration system, giving them saves increases their cost, which means Tampa has to trade the player even sooner than they would uh, otherwise. They've taken the second one uh, off the table now by locking him up effectively for the t- amount of time that Tampa would care uh, about uh, Fairbanks. So there's no there's no incentive for them to manipulate his uh, his usage based on money, I would argue. Because by the time he's a free agent, uh, he, he will have priced himself out of Tampa anyways. So then it just comes down to usage. There's It's a bit of a myth that Tampa never has a closer. Like I look back at the last mm-hmm. 10 years, They've had three closers get over 40 saves uh, in the last uh, decade. They've had two other uh, closers, same same guys, uh, Rodney and Colome, get over 35 saves. They've had Romo get 25 saves. So they've had years where they have gone with a quote-unquote traditional closer. And if he's my um, second closer, wherever his ADP lands – and there is the injury risk, but you can say that with so many guys uh, who have the closer job right now. If he's my second closer and I have a pretty good first closer, um, in a world where the net amount of saves I need to get to 80th percentile, 85th percentile, 90th percentile is lower in a fab league in particular, so I don't need all the saves on my roster, that's really, really good because the upside of uh, Fairbanks is he's a top five closer. Like from a skill set perspective, I'm just looking uh, at the bat 
strikeout percentage. It goes like Edwin Diaz, it goes Andres Munoz, it goes Hayter, it goes Devin Williams, Liam Hendricks, who we all hope uh, we get to see uh, pitch this year. Um, and then and then it, we go Fairbanks. So f- and, and his walk rate is is still a reasonable walk rate. It's not great, but it's an under 10% walk rate. It's it's a good enough walk rate that when combined with the strikeout rate, it could play as a top top closer. So that's a real upside uh, for him. And I think the floor that they still do use him in as the high leverage guy is still probably with health a 15 to 20 save guy, which is your second closer is pretty good. So I don't think, as, as you mentioned, Rob, I don't think his ADP stays where it is that we're talking about it today. Uh, but I think there's still a fair amount of room he could go up where I'm quite tempted on him, um, given both the skills and what I think the role might be. I'm not 100% sure, but but again, after those top five, seven closers, I'm not sure about any of them. So you're you're making a leap of faith with most of these guys. It's just based on what? Sorry, Rob. No, absolutely. That was great. I, I I totally agree with you guys. I think he's the ideal number two to try to grab before it kind of gets even murkier behind there. And I mean, his his velocity on every pitch went up pretty dramatically. Um, but great point about the Tampa Bay Rays, Rob, because I was looking at that too, and they even had stretches before they traded Castillo. He had about 65, 70% of their saves. And then Kittredge, assume that same role where he had the majority of the save going forward. And it's a funny thing about Kittred. So I was comparing him and Fairbanks the so last year in early, early draft champions in the, in the end of 2021, Andrew Kittredge was in a 314 range of ADP and then draft champions through February, he went up to 260 and then draft champions in March 209. And then the main came and he was at ADP 130. And it's so crazy, but Fairbanks is taking that kind of same path to that. So um, hopefully he gets more of a chance to pitch last year. What's interesting to me, and we may likely get to them, the next few closers after that, you can see the mindset in a DC context, which it's like, holy shit, I don't have a closer. I better start (laughs) jumping um, them. Whereas with Fairbanks, it's like, no, I really like Fairbanks. So it like Fairbanks doesn't feel, again, at this ADP, which I know is is just a snapshot. And it's it's the last three weeks that we're using now. So it's it's sort of fresh, but I know it's going to change. Um, but this feels like an offensive move, whoever takes Fairbanks here, whereas the next couple of uh, closers, to me at least, feel like defensive, like, I can't wait any longer. I need a guy who might get me saves, even though I know it's a bad pick and I hate myself and need to go take a shower after taking <laughs> uh, these guys. Fairbanks, you can feel pretty good about uh, yourself for. Right. But and thing- it's in that- oh, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, the only thing I was going to bring up about Fairbanks is he's one of the few remaining like closers that will help you with like your whip and ERA. Like if he throws the whole year, he's helping you there. Some of the other guys that are coming up are probably like mid threes. Even if they have the job, they're like mid threes ERA, their whips are a little bit higher. So they're not helping you sometimes like why those elite closers are going is they actually provide really good help with your ratios, even though they're throwing such few innings. Cause when you've got like a 2.2 ERA, I mean, that just helps you just immensely. That's why I always um, guys like Clayton Kershaw, even if he only throws 120 innings, it's always great innings. And those come just help your team as a whole with the ratios. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one last thing I was just going to 
come off of what you said, Rob, like it is kind of a defensive move after Fairbanks. And it's almost in that range where I find in the draft that people are taking um, the next set of closers and doubling up on those closers because they're equally not sure of whether they, they have a reliable safe source or they're taking more assets, you know, um, in, in this range of ADP, which is, you know, could be. Again, I, I, I don't do a lot of DCs. I don't do, I'm not doing any DCs. I get it. Like, I'm not yeah. saying you're a bad player if you do it, because sometimes that's just how, like, how the draft goes. You have no choice. But boy, it feels shitty when you have to do that. Like, it really, it's not awesome. Right. Absolutely. Let's move along to Tyro Estrada, second base shortstop for the San Francisco Giants, going off the board at pick 166, as early as 139. Um, he had 541 plate appearances last year. And through the San Francisco shuffle, it's pretty impressive. Do you guys think he's at risk for possibly losing some playing time this year, um, considering he played a lot of outfield last year, and the projections on the um, Fangraph's depth chart don't have him for projected outfield at bat? So um, just kind of wondering if the volume stays here. Jeff, what do you think? I think, he, I think he's about as safe as anyone kind of is there. In San Francisco, I mean, a couple of the outfielders, maybe like they might head to DH, but I think his ability to play outfield can kind of keep him there. But I think he's the second baseman. He grades out as a pretty decent hitter. And fantasy wise, he's just a great three category contributor. It's not like it's elite home run power, but it's not zero. He's giving you quite a bit of steals. Um, his dual eligibility is great especially this late, like if you don't have to have him as a second baseman or maybe you don't draft a second baseman to kind of stream that spot, you can move him over to middle. Um, no, I, I think he's just a great ad. And I think that, I think there is a little bit of worry about the playing time, but it wasn't at the end of the year, whenever he was healthy, he was playing. The team kept him on the field as much as possible. And also I, he can play defense, which about, 90% of, you know, the rest of the Giants can't. So I think they have to almost have him in some, for some of those reasons. Wilmer Flores just doesn't cut it. So, no, I think he's fine. I'm not worried about it. If he does fall apart, then I, I'll just lose this, you know, 11th or 12th round pick. Um, But but what about his stat cast, Jeff? His Actually, I've got it. Give me a second. Let me move no, over. No, to no, it. Like, I tell me about his lollipops. Oh, his lollipop. <laughs> and that's. I mean, it, it's interesting. We, Rob, we we had an exchange on Twitter about a thyroostrata. And to be clear, I am not Mister Thyroostrata, even though I felt like I was uh, defending thyroostrata uh, from the entire. There, it's like smart hipster uh, fantasy baseball players hate on Thyrostrata. I think if everybody who plays fantasy was forced to do a fade list for 2023, he'd be on like 95% of uh, fade lists, which makes me wonder who's actually drafting him because by definition, somebody's drafting him. His ADP has gone up over the last uh, couple of weeks as everybody reads everybody else's fade list. But it really is an interesting um, case study in first group think because there is a bit of group think here and two like there's no doubt he kind of came out of nowhere uh last year but there's lots of players uh who come out of nowhere every year and um it's like it's just it, it, my observation in on on twitter and what started the um 
the conversation is why do some of the players who come out of nowhere in their kind of middle ages, so when they're, they're 26, 27, 28, 29, do we believe? So Taylor Ward was my case study. Everybody believes Taylor Ward. He's awesome. Like he's just as long as he stays healthy, he's he's on everybody's sleeper list. Even though, let's not forget, Taylor Ward was a horrendous backup like catcher. Uh, for the longest of times. Nobody thought Taylor Ward was going to be a good uh, hitter prior to uh, 2021. I shouldn't say that. Maybe Taylor Ward's mom thought he'd be a, still a wonderful hitter. But but like there was no indication that it was going to be the guy that, that Taylor Ward maybe has become. So when the projections say, no, Taylor Ward's a really good player, like you should, you should be drafting him um, everywhere, people nod along and say, yes, I believe Tyler uh, Ward. With, with Thyro Estrada, who the projections, again, really like for different reasons. They like him in fantasy uh, reasons. There's just such an innate skepticism that it can't possibly be real. To give credit to the critics of him. His hard hit rate is crap. Like his his barrel rate is crap. He is not a guy who, um, from a power perspective, you say uh, is is Taylor Ward, for example. But the reality is, as I think Jeff pointed out, that's not what you're paying for with Estrada. You're not paying for 25 home runs. You're paying for teen home run. And he certainly has the power that even if you think last year was a bit fluky, so long as he keeps, I mean, it's a bit circular, but as long as he keeps the job, there's no reason to think he can't put up another 12, 14, 16, 18 home run uh, season. And you combine it with the speed the math's just the math that he's easily a top 100 player if he does all of these things. He, you know, I, I, I live by this, but but like Jeff, uh, Jeff and Tanner's like OPS risk of losing your job thing. He doesn't like he's not Barry Bonds for the Giants, but he's well above the 700, closer to 750 projected uh, cutoff line that if you're going to live by those rules, there are a lot of players going much earlier than him that you need to be off than Thyro Estrada. So again, I don't love him, but if his ADP is going to start approaching like 200 by Vegas mains and as starting pitchers go up, he is a guy who, as people keep kicking the crap out of, I could see just every week like to add 10 more picks to his cost at a certain point like i have no choice but to be in on thyro strata the only other problem is there are a lot of middle infielders i like really uh uh late so i like the position uh flexibility but um there's that too but meh like i think i don't think anything in his projections seems outlandish to me and if he hits his projections he is a great buy at this price so I actually have a lollipop comparator on um, which one's the same. And like one of almost the number one comp comp in a few years is Whit Merrifield. Yeah. Uh, Whit so, Merrifield was a top 30 fantasy player year after year after year. And you can say, well, it was all a fluke. It was all volume. Uh, it was all bullshit. Um, it's like, yeah. And yet it happened. If you drafted Whit Merrifield, Year after year after year, you did very well off of Whit Merrifield until last year. Then it didn't work out so good. Meh. But it's also like he's going down here. He's not going in like the right. third or fourth round now. Exactly. The cost, the cost because of our hipsterism and our sheepishness on him. And by sheep, I mean everybody's following everybody else. Um, making him awfully cheap. Absolutely. Roster Resource right now has him leading off. He only let off three games last year. Does it matter for you guys where he is in the lineup? 
I mean, from a plate appearances perspective, to the extent like he can be an accumulator, uh, there's no doubt him hitting near the top of the lineup, even if it's not a great lineup. I think the Giants lineup will be better than last year. Two years ago, the Giants lineup finished, what, second, third in baseball and runs scored. So mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to do that. I also don't think they're going to be useless. I do like some of the, I, I like, I like Mitch Hanniger. I like Fordo. So, uh, but yeah, no, 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 like hitting, I'm, I'm not paying for him at this price, assuming he's going to be the leadoff hitter, but there's no doubt if I can add an extra 40 plate appearances uh, to his projection, it helps his projection quite a bit. Yeah. And this possible steals with no one else on base in front of him to start off the game. Yeah. That that would be ideal. Actually, I'd prefer it over second probably for him. Manning's Jeff, uh, hat tip to your article about where you get stolen bases in the part of the lineup. He had, Eight steals from that magical sixth spot in the lineup um, that happened to be a, like a like a odd lineup spot to get um, stolen bases in that you found, right? Yeah, I just think like most teams like good hitters are done by then. So then there's just not as many people on, especially like the fifth, maybe your fifth guy is just that all power, no on base guy. Like you're just hoping he knocks in, you know, the first guys. So you kind of get like that second lineup spot, I think, starting then. And so, no, it was, I didn't exactly know what, what I'd find about it, but I've kept, it was mainly to deal with um, Turner. Like he had different steal rates at different spots. And um, so I was just like, well, let's, let's just see what's behind it. And yeah, definitely that first spot is, that's your key one. And then you kind of want some of those later ones also. Mr. Cal Rowley is next on deck at pick 167. Led all catches last year in home runs with 27. Are we, is this a catcher one in your guys' eyes, Jeff? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i a fan. I know that he definitely struggled with batting average last year. And I kind of wonder if there's a chance that he might go up a little bit. He was a heavily shifted guy. So depending on how he hits the ball that there might be a little bit projections don't have all of that. I will give a big shout out to baseball HQ. They kind of um, did bump up their batting average. I think it's the first projections that have actually done that based on the shift information. So it's kind of one you can go over to, to check, to see um, if it's moved up. The one thing with Raleigh Raleigh is the thumb injury. I kind of just want to make sure that he's all healthy right now. Like we'll know in a week or so if he's throwing, but if he's not, you know, sitting behind the plate, catching balls and everything like that, then I'm a little bit worried just to see what that is. But he did have that off season um, thumb surgery, but he's got legit power. Yeah. He's going to miss some balls, but um, I'm not going to say he's like Sal Perez light, but it almost feels that way. I think Sal Perez would have a little bit better batting average. But if you need some home runs this late and just kind of out of nowhere before the catching position just dies off, I think he's just a fine buy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's lazy to call Cal Raleigh the, ne- the next Mike Zanino, and I'm sure lots of people are doing it. But boy, he could also hit below 200. So the upside is like 250-30, which is Sal Perez-ish. Um, the downside is... 25 200 so like is he a catcher one i'm i'm like i'm in the phil Dusso uh camp there's no such thing as a catcher one if the catcher if my catcher one is the 27th catcher off the board i can win 
Phil in fact did win drafting basically two uh, crappy one dollar uh, catchers. Um, I'd also be fine having a, a you know JT Real Muto. The people who say you can't take JT Real Muto or Dalton Verso in the second round and win um, are wrong. Of course you can. Uh, you should take the best pit, uh, player every pick uh, when it's your pick, and that's uh, and if if they if you turn out to be right on more of them than you're wrong. Um, in my experience, that's a good way to, uh, to do um, pretty well. So, like, I know in today's game, you can afford to have a 210 batting average from your catcher, especially if they're contributing home runs like he is. Um, I hate it, though. I just hate it because I know I'm going to stream my way into some low batting averages. I'm going to find low batting. It's kind of like injuries. Low batting averages are going to find me. So when I build off of a low batting average, uh, I'm, I feel like I'm tying my hands, especially now, in, you know, in the round we're talking about, which is still a premium round. There are good hitters we're talking about uh, here or good pitchers we're talking about here. So the opportunity cost is still big. Um, which doesn't mean that I don't like Cal Raleigh. I just look at that strikeout rate, and even though it's not quite Mike Zanino, it's still really close to 30%, and I don't care what the shift is doing for him. Um, there's just so much batting average downside uh, that I see there. So it's that's a long way of saying it's a roster construction uh, question for me. If you think you have a good batting average, if you think you can get around it, but you need a power boost, by all means, uh, I think he's a very good um, hitter. He will also play, if he's healthy, if the thumb uh, is healthy, a ton in that Seattle lineup because that Seattle lineup is sneaky, sneaky bad. The ba bottom of that lineup is atrocious. Uh, it really is. Seattle is going to struggle um, scoring runs this year, even though their pitching is very good. So they need him in that lineup because he is one of their best hitters. So um, yeah. I think so. I think from a volume perspective for catcher, it would not surprise me if he's if he, again assuming health, if he's top five in plate appearances amongst catchers this year. So I think you can get a volume play for him too, which if he's hitting two hundred could kill you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. He played a month with a torn ligament in his thumb and he had eight homers apparently in that time period. The tough, tough son of a bitch. So you got to like that about him. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people would do the Zanino comp and he comps a lot of bit, a lot to Kyle Schwarber as well. You know, similar profile, pull, fly ball, heavy, hits the ball hard and, um, you know, might benefit from that shift impact. So I like him. There's a, a couple of times where he just matched my team build where I didn't have a catcher, needed power, and it was like, okay, this is the spot to take a guy like how rally. But um, I think there's a lot I like about him, but the pitfalls are definitely there. Let's move on to Vaughn Grissom going at 167 off the board, second base eligible, going to possibly, I guess, gain shortstop eligibility for the Atlanta Braves. There are some people who love him, and there are some people who see him actually having a, star, a chance of possibly starting in the minors. Um, what are your guys' expectations for Vaughn Grissom this season? Oh, man. I'm Just as a general rule, I'm staying away. There's just um, too many questions. Now, first of all, can he play shortstop? That's still kind of be determined. Like he went and did the whole Ron Washington thing down in New Orleans, and Ron Washington says he looks great. But let's just see it. I mean, it gives me a little bit of faith that that could possibly happen. Um, the other thing is, is last year, like he could only hit fastballs. Anything that moved, he didn't stand a chance against. So 
I don't know. I mean, maybe it's best to keep him in the majors, but if he's struggling so much, I mean, how long do the Braves have to kind of keep him up here without when he is struggling? I think that that's a chance that it's like, okay, we're here to win. We're not here to see if you can hit again. And, but on the positive, he has to beat out Orlando Arcia. So the bar isn't that high. But also, like I said, it's like both of them probably have similar projections. Grissom obviously has more of an upside. So it's going to be I'm trying to think of, I think there's a good chance of, you know, 30%, 40% chance that he's just not in the majors to start. Like he just struggles during spring training and they have to um, bring him down. I mean, he ended over the last 40 games last season, he hit 613. Like that's just not going to cut it. And he actually started losing playing time because of it. Um, so it's just too much risk at this point. Like I said, I, you have Estrada, which has got the similar stats to Grissom. And um, I think that that's what Grissom hopes to be. And I'll just take kind of a guy that just doesn't have so many downfalls to his portfolio right now. Yeah, I was on uh, James Anderson's uh, podcast um, last week, and we were talking about this year's Jeremy Pena. And the reason we were talking about this year's Jeremy Pena was last year. Uh, and it's always hilarious to me when I, I'm telling James who I think the prospects to grab in redraft uh, leagues are, because James is obviously the best in terms of uh, prospects in, in the business. But I thought Jeremy Pena last year, kind of when he was still out of nowhere, was going to be last year's Jonathan India. So the guy who was going to put up a 15-20 kind of out of sort of out of nowhere, but not totally out of nowhere uh, season. So this this last week on on, on the Roadwire podcast, James asked me like, "Who's this year's Jeremy Pena?" And in some ways, Von Grissom is the most obvious answer because if he gets 600 plate appearances, like a 15-20. And his batting average is probably better than uh, Pena or India, like 275 is totally within uh, uh, reach. But I don't think it's going to be Vaughn Grissom. And I have four big differences between Pena and Grissom. The first one is fielding. Jeremy Pena's glove was not in question. Like if you read all the the prospect write-ups of Jeremy Pena coming into last season – his glove was his carrying tool. It, whether he could hit at the majors was a, was a live question, but the glove was not in question. Grissom, it is a live question, as Jeff uh, mentions. Number two, we can laugh about Orlando Arcia. Um, Houston had no alternatives going into last year as Jeremy Pena. And I hate falling back on, well, they have nobody else because there's always somebody else. Like literally there is always somebody at AAA. There is somebody floating around. Uh, Elvis Andrews still doesn't have a job, I think. So, uh, so there's always somebody else. But but Houston had nobody in camp to play shortstop. They were going with Jeremy Pena. It is, to me, almost a coin toss at this point, whether it's uh, Arcia or uh, or uh, Grissom going into, uh, into um, the season as the starting shortstop. That's not a great bet at this price. Number three is the cost. Jeremy Pena, even after I started shooting him up the draft boards uh, in March single-handedly because I wanted him, um, was cheap. Vaughn Grissom is not cheap right now. Like, this is not a cheap price. I don't think it's a bad pick at this cost, 
Um, well, actually, I suppose I do if I think it's a, if I if you buy my it's a coin toss that he gets the job as of opening day, then it's a bad cost. But I understand uh, the pick. But he's he is um, he's he's way more expensive than Jeremy Pena or Jonathan India uh, were uh, going into the rookie uh, seasons. And the last point is lineup. Even if you assume it's all going to work out with, uh, for Von Grissom, it is almost impossible to imagine the scenario where he's not hitting at the bottom of the lineup for at least the first few months. Like maybe he gets, I shouldn't say that, he can he could get ahead of whoever their left fielder in DH is, I suppose, if he's awesome. Um, it may sound crazy, but for Jeremy Pena, even in that stacked Houston lineup, because of who was playing center field for them, because of their catcher, it was actually very easy for him to get at least to like a six seven type spot. Never mind, uh, as he was a, a Jeff Brantley injury away from hitting right near the top of the lineup. That's a long way of saying I love Grissom's upside, but I agree with Jeff. There is just way too much risk here, um, so it, it is not for me. The challenge is out of spring training, it is sort of binary. He will either have the starting job or he will not have the starting job. The interesting question is if we don't know in March when we're draft, drafting main events or when you're drafting your home league, um, then you have to make the call that people in DCs right now are making. Yeah, I would agree with you guys. I think he's a little too rich right now for ADP. Um, he went a span of uh, from September 25th to October 5th without playing a game. He played in the last game of the season after they pretty much clinched a, a division. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 a big risk right here. I saw some interesting stuff, you know, going back and forth on Twitter with people questioning the shortstop stuff and saying his arm arm strength from second base was low because he's lobbing the ball to first base. And I don't I don't really agree with that either. But yeah, there there is Elvis Andrews, there is Jose Iglesias, and there's even Alcida Escobar. And we know how attractive he gets when spring training comes rolling around. So um, definitely an interesting situation for Grissom. I'm staying away for sure right now. Um, we're coming up on our third Tampa Bay Ray of the podcast, <laughs> Mr. Drew Rasmussen at pick 167. Uh, Rasmussen had a pretty solid year last year. He changed his pitch mix. He added a cutter versus lefties and um, all the stuff is there. Still on that 80 pitch per game start like a lot of the Rays get. Uh, but five of his last starts, he went six innings pitched and he even had a Maddox-like game of uh, eight and a third on 87 pitches. So what are you guys thoughts on Drew Rasmussen? Jeff? Complete nerd of garbage. Don't draft him. <laughs> Rob? Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> stop it. Tell, tell, the, tell the fine people what you really think, Jeff, because I know when you're lying. I have no idea why he's down this far. I, mm. I, I, I think it should be 20, 30 picks higher. Um, I like him better than Springs. He's thrown it, shown it farther. He went more last year. His stats are fine. He don't. He has some injury issues, but so does a lot of other people. So that's kind of like I said. I wouldn't be surprised. It, not even a phantom one, just like literally goes on the IL and you lose him for three weeks during the season. But um, um, no, I he um, it was just um, really kind of um, improved throughout the season. Made a lot of changes to his pitch mix. He's going long into games. Like I said, I. 
he's the one guy today uh, that we were looking at today that, like I said, just seems completely out of place. And I think um, we'll see if he'll move up. I think there might just still be a lot of um, people thinking, you know, it might be like the slow ADP. Everyone's kind of paying the ADP game and don't want to be setting mins. But I think if main events or whatever comes around and people just want him, I, I don't, wouldn't be surprised if we see him jump in two or three rounds. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, he um, He's the reason why I asked the Tampa question earlier. It wasn't Springs. Springs is a fine pitcher, uh, but I'm not going into drafts with Springs' name on a list of guys I really want. Like, he's fine. Uh, whereas Rasmussen, I agree with Jeff. He's... Um, He's Mr. Stuff. Like if you, whichever, whichever, I, I have not seen a stuff model yet, whether it's Eno's, whether it's PLV from a uh, picture list, uh, picture PLV, which is brand new. So people may not uh, have had a chance to really dig into it yet. Has him as a 92nd percentile PLV guy, which is good. Eno's stuff loves Rasmussen uh, as well. Um, he was inconsistent last year. Um, he had ups and downs. He had starts where like he was awesome. And then he had like, three week stretches where he was meh. Um, but he, at this price, it is such a good bet to make it that there's X percentage chance. He takes a massive step forward this year. There's another much bigger percent chance that he's just sort of the same as last year. And that's really good. Like in terms of what it's likely to kick out and the only down, I mean, besides every pitcher injury risk, and he's certainly no higher injury risk than anybody else. The downside on Tampa is really quite manageable at this cost. So I think he's uh, he'd have to go up, I agree with Jeff, quite a bit before I say that's a real problem uh, with Rasmussen. I like Rasmussen a lot more than some of the pitchers I said I liked last week, like which by definition were a round and a half, two rounds early. So I'd be okay taking Rasmussen if he jumps into the 150s uh, and, and he's competing with the guys we were talking about uh, on last week's podcast. Yep. Got a um, question for you guys. Yeah. Good. You said that he was inconsistent. And I know, especially one analyst that just really dings people for that. How do you do you value it? Do you, like, do you want, I mean, I think for someone watches every one of the starts, it makes him nuts, but I just don't see it as being a, like, he's got a, you know, a three ERA game and then a four one. Does that really bother you? Then if so, he's so a three if, five. If, if, it bothers me more in one of two situations. One, if I were playing in a 10-team league where I'm streaming guys as good as Rasmussen, then yeah, it would bother me. But if in a 15-team league, um, Rasmussen is good enough now. I mean, I guess if he was going into Colorado, I'd sit him. But certainly any AL team, any AL park, he's a sit and forget. So I care about the end of season stuff, unless he's like awful for a, a six-week stretch or what, whatever. So no, in, in most formats I play in, I care about inconsistency for the guy the, for the for my ninth starting pitcher because the question is every week is he better than the alternative so should I cut him or not? Mm-hmm. Their inconsistency can drive you crazy because you're making decisions for the top. Like if Garrett Cole ha- gets blown out or Max Scherzer because both of them are obviously aces, they have rough starts. Max Scherzer has games where he gives up three home runs. Garrett Cole, we saw last year, uh, has games where he gives up a lot of home runs and gets roughed around. I don't care as long as, like, I am I am going to start Garrett Cole every single game. It's frustrating. You'd rather he doesn't have those starts. But I just, I know I'm getting the stats at the end of the season. So as long as those are good, 
meh, how you get from point A to point B matters to me not at all. Also, obviously different in a head-to-head league. Like if I'm playing a head-to-head league, which I don't play, it's also a different game. So their consistency and when you time it, I assume, is a totally different thing. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I think I never understood the whole he's inconsistent. You're getting the totality of their stat. So um, the contribution towards your overall line is still solid. Obviously, in a head-to-head league, it might drive you crazy. Um, and that's fair. But he was funny because he was the kind of guy last year where every time it came up to the Yankees or Toronto, it was like, mm, you know, what do I think you Rasmussen is going to do? And every time he faced Toronto or the Yankees, he did really well. And if he did sit him in those games, you sat there like, shit, like, what did I do? Um, but yeah, I, I, I'll take it. I think he's going to take a step up, step forward. I'm really aggressive with where I'm going to draft him this year. He's my second highest, um, shared uh player shares right now in my days draft so that's that's quite a that's 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 quite a statement can i can i are you public of who your most owned player is so far in your drafts this year you, you want to take a guess he's an outfielder no i i don't i, I don't I, i'll look stupid why I, how would i how would <laughs> you I sound like a Nemo, you sound like a nimmo guy oh no no i don't have much nimmo i have i have i have a, I have a couple but not not a lot jorge soler is my most oh, oh, jorge soler I'm, I'm i'm intrigued by jorge, jorge soler yeah. we'll, we'll we'll get to him eventually yes eventually <laughs> yeah eventually. but um rasmussen it's funny but like there's a lot of rays looking at my top 15 20 guys i have too many shares of rays and i don't know how i feel have, have you that. noticed have you noticed any helium on him as people realize like rob's grabbing uh grabbing Rasmussen every, everywhere or people starting to push him up on you at all. Um, they will if, now, I guess, but if there's uh, a repeat drafter with me, yeah, I, yeah. I definitely noticed that they're like, they're being more aggressive. Um, there, there, there definitely are some people out there who not that I'm the guy to copy a draft of that's definitely Phil, not me, but there's definitely a couple of people out there with the, um, with the reputation of, of, of copying and pasting um, from several other NFBC owners. Uh, I'll leave it right there. So, you know, you got to get a little uh, creative sometimes. And then, you know, that's a whole like another mind game in its own. If you know, what if I face this guy in the main event? Do I show my full hand or can I draft a good enough team now without taking the guys I like? It's, you know, but I just I just hit the button. I smash it, you know, because my whole thing is if you're going to look at my roster and try to beat me off of who I'm picking and you're not spending time on what you have to do, I just think you're, I have you beat already. Yeah, you're already fucked. <laughs> you're already fucked. So um, bring it on. That's all I got to say. So uh, let's move on to Harrison Bader, outfield the New York Yankees, ADP 171. He's a very polarizing player for me. Um, are we buying a career high projected plate appearance, home runs, and stolen bases, Jeff? Oh God, no! This is like one of those ones where I'm, I'm, I'm so out. It's the plantar fasciitis is it? Like anyone that's had that, no one's almost come back from it. And it's like you can't walk, and your all your values in stolen bases and playing outfield defense. No, I. You've been hurt a ton. Um, it's no one I'm counting on at this point. There's other guys that I'd rather take a chance on in the outfield. Oh, we we might get to Brandon Nimmo. I'll take Nimmo 100 times out of 100 over Bader. Just no reason to have him. I think he's probably going 50 picks too high. Maybe people are just looking at the stolen bases, what possibly could happen. But plantar fasciitis, just until he can show that he does it, it's taking – I mean, it just killed so many careers that – 
I, I'm completely out. Well, I, I can tell you what people are doing. They're taking the projection, saying, this seems too low to me. The Yankees don't really have much depth in the outfield. They'll play Bader every day that he's healthy. So I'm going to give him 600 plate appearances. I'm not going to get greedy uh, and give, go 650, but I'll go 600. Holy cow, Harrison Bader becomes a top 75 hitter if I give him 600 plate appearances? Well, this seems like a good place to take him. Then look at the profit I've just made. Uh, and if you're feeling lucky, maybe that works for you. But I agree with uh with Jeff, I, I still want at this time of the draft, guys, I can uh, count on more than uh, Harrison Bader. So is there is there a, a 15 to 20 percent chance that Harrison Bader gets 600 plate appearances as a top 75 uh, hitter this year? Absolutely, there is that chance. Um, but the uh, the flip side is there's an 80 percent chance he isn't that guy. And uh, so he will not be uh, will not be on any of my teams. Yeah, as I went through a lot of these guys, the one thing I noticed is we're going to look bad, Robs, because one of these guys is going to break out and be like a third rounder. I could almost go through like each person and kind of make a case like mm -hmm. where they end up. So it kind of feels like a lot of these guys like have that opportunity and maybe if you can figure it out, you know, how they can move up. But there's also, yeah, just huge downside. It just seems like this whole group, there's not – Maybe there's Estrada is kind of like the boring one out of the group, but there's definitely no one that's like, oh, they're just going to put this up and that's what it's going to be. It seems like there's a lot of upside and a lot of downside on the hitters. I would just like to get the guy who's going to be a seventh rounder. I don't need the third rounder out of this part of the draft. A seventh rounder would make me thrilled, and that's Estrada. Yeah, and a uh, great point, Jeff. Like, it, I actually want to ask you, so when you see an opportunity here with maybe um, Bader who – Maybe you think, all right, this guy has no chance to stick around the, the whole season. Are you, are you trying to capitalize on, like, what's behind him on the Yankee depth chart? Not possibly on the um, – like, in a 15-teamer in the main event, Aaron Hicks is on my radar. And I think that that's – he has his own issues, but he's going so much later and you're just trying to get the volume. Um, I don't know about so much in a draft and hold. I could also see Bader just be getting 300 plate appearances, but we just don't know when 400 that one where he's like day to day to start the week or he's playing every other game. I could almost see him just be frustrating, but at the end of the year, you're like, maybe I should have just kept him in like possibly good in like a best ball type format. But I just kind of just see him frustrating, and you don't know if him or his backup is going to play, so both of them are kind of worthless. I don't know. I just kind of just staying away from the situation unless it's like a redraft where I can just drop him and find someone else that's uh, playing consistently. But it's a great question, Rob, because somehow between Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Harrison Bader, and Aaron <laughs> Hicks, there are 2,100 plate appearances that need to be, that will be filled. They may not be filled by those four uh, guys, but one way or another, the Yankees outfield, and you can add in DH uh, even uh, to that. So you can add DJ LeMayhew into the mix if you if you think he kind of flips around guys as guys um, get injured and they use the DH. Aaron Judge is playing first base, man. Did you see the tweet? Um, they don't have a lot of depth. Like I can't <laughs> name you who their next outfielder uh, necessarily is. I guess some of their infielders could can flip around to the outfield. Um, so like they are a team that like a Robbie Grossman makes a ton of sense mm. just as a depth 
play, but you can say that about five other teams and Robbie Grossman can only sign with one of them. And he, at the end of the day, it's Robbie Grossman. So it's not that big a deal. Yeah, that's why I haven't been hesitant to take a shot of like Oswaldo Cabrera later on in the draft. He's the guy who could play multiple positions. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna have to you know cover yeah. the, those spots. And I think Bader too. I I mean, I know he had that run in the in the postseason where he just hit everything out of the park. And I don't know if people just have that recency bias of him being really really hot in the playoffs and you know, carrying that with him. Um, in the draft, but I mean, I'd rather have Kevin Kiermaier at at pick five fifty than Bader over here every every day. Um, from, from your from your lips to uh, Kevin Kiermaier's like hamstring, calves, back, and every other part of his body, Rob. <laughs> All right, uh, what else is new? Another Tampa Bay Ray, Brandon <laughs> Brandon Lowe, um, second baseman, pick one seventy one as early as one thirty seven. Um, Rob, I want to start with you here first because there's a lot of Twitter fans who think that he is not a platoon guy. What do you have to say about that? It's um, it's he's an interesting case study of how, in some instances, platoon players are binary. So you play versus righties, you play versus lefties, you don't play versus uh, the other one. Uh, Brandon is an example of how it's not always, and especially with Tampa, Tampa is different from San Francisco. It's not binary. So he has sat the last two seasons in one third of the games that they've started against lefties. So that means he has played in two thirds of the games against lefties. And you can say, well, they only get so many uh, games started by lefties. This is started by lefties um, each year. So like, sitting in a third of let's call it 50 games, 45 games, isn't that big a deal. And it's true. Like you can still be Brandon Lau showed in, in, uh, in 2021, you, he can still be a top 35 player, even though he's sitting against lefties, but he will get his rest days because Tampa, that's what Tampa does against some lefties and people just can't internalize. I am not saying he will not start against every lefties and will never make that game. He also came into a lot of those games later in the game as a pinch hitter. So it's also not binary that if you don't start against the lefty that you don't get uh, played appearances or two played appearances uh, even, but it does put a ceiling in terms of your plate appearances. Like I do think they're going to um, continue to do that because it helps like Tampa's sophisticated. It helps them win games. They're not doing it just because they're, they're, they, they, they're fading Brandon Lau on their fantasy leagues. So like in terms of, I'm so torn on him. He's been a good player. We've seen what the upside is on him. Um, there is a platoon thing, but it's not that it's not a killer. He's not a, a he's not a part time player. Um, projections would t- say take Thyro Estrada over him. Like that's what the projections would tell you to do, which I know for the people who love Brandon Lowe and there are people who love him uh, out there. Their heads are exploding right now. And that makes me happy. So the fact that that's driv- driving certain people uh, crazy gives me great joy. Um. The strikeout percentage combined by the lack of speed does put, even with shift changing, a, I think a certain cap on his batting average. Um, but he was a top 35 player like a year ago, 2021. Um, so this is a nice discount on him if you need power from, from on your team at this point of the draft. Um, there's no doubt like this is a really nice um, um, discount that you're getting. There is a lot of upside uh, here. Um, 
I don't know. I, I'm not a huge fan of his, but I totally get why people should be drafting him. I'm not as convinced that he is a superstar. He's been a good hitter, but I'm not sure he's the superstar that certain people make him out to be, but that's that's just me. I yeah. yeah. The sh- the one thing with the shift, I'll say with Tampa is it's not that he's horrible so much against lefties sometimes, is that other people are better against righties. And I don't know how that's going to work out this year. A lot of times, like, it's just a little bit. And they do, I think Tampa does some stuff with, like, the type of pitcher. Like, if the guy's, like, all sinkers, like, they have, they'll add players. It's tough to know how they decide, but there's definitely a decision. We'll kind of get that as the season starts. The one thing, I'll agree with everything Rob said, is he had a back injury to end the year and was horrible over the second half. Like, sub-700 OPS over the last 45 days, he had a three- under 400 OPS. I mean, he was just horrible. I want to see him out there playing every day to start with. They're not like resting the back, like, you know, babying it. I want to see, make sure he's hundred percent ready to go or I'm out. Um, at least at this price, just to, I don't need to start with a guy that's hurt or, you know, if he takes a little bit of a hit to his production, they have other guys that can move in. They've shown that they'll do it. They'll put him on the IL. Um, so no, I'm um, I'm intrigued. I just want to see him out there playing. Like he's kind of just one of those nice balance guys, and the projections, yeah, don't like his batting average. All the ones that um aren't taking the shifting account, but if he can just get like ten points and get up to like a two forty five batting average, a two fifty, that would just be great for him. And there's a chance that he may even be able to see a little bit more than that, especially with his speed. He's not one of those ones that they can just, you know. He's not rearing back and going for like every home run up in the air. It's kind of got more of like of a line drive approach. So, no, I'm actually think that um, I'm intrigued. I'm just that back injury just kind of scares me off right now. Yeah, and it was back wrist, left knee, left shoulder. It's just a, a laundry list of. Uh, <clears throat> um, I, I'm I'm wondering too about about like I know we're hearing a lot about the the the, the, the restriction on the shift. And whether or not teams are going to put their more rangier up the middle defenders in the game more, and whether maybe he transitioned to a role like as maybe a more of a DH that can that might help him out um, to stay on the field. So it's definitely because I don't really believe Harold Ramirez is going to stay on the team for long, um, <laughs> and I just feel like it's a natural move to get their better defenders in there and let and let loud DH, but um. Okay, we had enough about the Rays. Let's move on to Cabrian Hayes, third baseman of the Pittsburgh Pirates at 172. Seven home runs and 20 stolen bases in 2022. Um, another bad lollipop page guy. But um, <laughs> what are we thinking about Cabrian Hayes, Jeff? I think, I really think everyone that drafts Corey Seager picks up Cabrian Hayes. Like, and they just, <laughs> in their <laughs> In their mind, they're like, okay, Corey Seager's my third baseman. I'm getting my power. I'm getting my average. And I pick up Hayes, and he's my middle infielder where I'm getting some speed. I get some batting average. And it's just like a perfect combination. And just in their mind, they're like, that's how it is, you know. But everyone has kind of like their set mind, like I need my power and everything from their third baseman. And um, he's just not that guy. And 
I actually kind of see him as a value where he's at, but it's kind of more of building your team around that. Like, did you get some power some other place? Did you did you go double catcher and get like Will Smith and um, even Raleigh? Like, those are your two. Like, all right, I need to get some batting average. I can get some speed at third base. I already got my power covered. I just think he doesn't fit a lot of teams. I don't. I think he's a good player. He's going to play every day. He's got a really flat swing. He doesn't have a ton of power. There's, I think I read some comment. He's like in the best shape of his life. (laughs) Oh, dude, I've read so much, but it's like, it's not even going out. Like, you know, I I could care less about that actually changing it until he actually sees him hit. But um, no, he sprays the ball all over. He puts it on the ground. And if he gets a little bit of a launch angle, there's some power there, but um, it's a total team construct. He's not horrible. It's just, he's not going to be part, he's not going to be um, a part of every team. Yeah. I mean, the the line I had written on my sheet was on the right construct where you have massive power, I suppose. On the other hand, um, he's basically Isaiah Kiner Falafa. Um, like I, I understand the name value and people love the guy and hope that he, um, takes a big step forward, but it is even, especially in this environment, it's just really hard to take a zero on power from, from any position, uh, like that. It's just, it's really tough for it all to work out. And if I thought there, and, and it's, it's not like his batting average is awesome. Like it's, 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 he really is a, and, and his counting stats stink, his Pittsburgh uh, stinks. So you put it all together, he really is a one category guy, stolen bases. And that's not nothing if you're going to be a one category guy. I suppose that's the category. But um, I, I think if you, if you removed the prospect pedigree and like, how much people really wanted him to work out unless the swing changes, unless he's fully healthy and therefore gets the power back. Um, it's, it's just, I can't even con- contemplate how I've come to this point in the draft. And I'm so convinced that I am so good in power that I can take effectively a zero uh, in power. It's just not, um, it's not realistic. And I think you're setting yourself up to a tough season. So it's, it's not, uh, it's not for me, but, uh, but I'd love to see him succeed. He seems like a really likable guy. So I'd love to I, see him take a step I, forward. I kind of wonder if it's a drafting whole thing where someone needs a third baseman and it's like, I know he's going to play, but I looked over at the online championship and he's going at the same spot. So I don't know if it just, everyone just kind of knows that's where they draft him and he comes over, but he's one I could actually see kind of fall as people kind of, know that they can get some other options but i just see like all right i need a third baseman at this point in the draft and i know he's going to play so i'm just going to take him because like the next i don't know if we'll get to him but it's like alec bohm is like the next third baseman so you're it's get pretty rough at this point yeah i think um hayes has caused me to dive deeper on the guys going a lot later in third base because <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> Not that I don't like him, you know, I think there's there's definitely a deficiency in the power and, and you know, and you'll get some speed. And it, it was, I mean, I got him a couple of times past 200 where I was comfortable taking him there because I think I still feel like it's a decent play there in like 200, 210. But um, he definitely had made me die because it's it's then because where do you go 
you know, after Hayes, if you don't like Hayes. And there's some interesting choices, but um, all with some warts of their own for sure. Um, Mr. Tony Gonsolin was mentioned before. He is starting pitcher on the Dodgers going at pick 173, 130 innings pitched in 2022 with 16 wins. Is this Dodger magic, Jeff, or is this um, a bunch of smoke screens? I don't even know if I'm going to talk about Tony Gonsolin. He sent, <laughs> well, he sent me off on the Dodgers and their just insane ability to keep Babbitt down the last few years. It's it's just unbelievable if you do like the last ten years of Team Babbitt. Um, I think like the last four years are they're in the top ten, and it's just been consistently usually. A, there isn't a ton of rebound. There was a St. Louis Cardinals team that were like in the top 20 and they went from like 250, but they increased their bab up 20 some points last year. Like that whole team as a whole has been able to keep it down. And it's just tough to put a finger on why just like you have to just believe it's going to keep happening. But at some point, I guess they're trying to bring it. I mean, I don't know how they're, if you can just believe that it's just going to continue to happen. Um, Maybe you can believe some of it. And it's like, okay, you know, the team's at 250. Even if you assume 270, that's going to be great in the long run. Uh, um, Looking at the traits of those teams, the one thing the Dodgers have done, which they were almost the top of is, they just don't throw fastballs as a team as a whole. And Gonsolin is um, that same way where he's pushing around 40% fastball usage. So that might kind of be one thing like as why the team's doing it while he's able to kind of keep his ERA down. Um, so as a, I don't, like I said, it's, it's just tough for me to kind of, come to a, a realization if it's true or not, like no other team has done it. And um, I may just give all the Dodgers just a small boost to their ERAs this year based on the Dodger magic, but it's not, I don't, I don't know. I just can't see it continuing as a whole for Gonsolin. Great pitcher, great results ended the season with that forearm strain. Until he has thrown five innings in spring training at top velocity, I'm not drafted in. That it just scares the crap out of me. I just everyone, a lot of pitchers that have ended the season with forearm strain just kind of hope to come back. I'm not gonna immediately lose a guy to Tommy John um this high um without seeing him throw. So he's just off the list, but as soon as he's thrown up to speed and thrown a few innings, I'm back in. Yeah, this is the problem is you need to make two leaps of faith here. The one is the Dodger magic uh, continuing uh, forward. I'm willing to make that leap of faith. The second is the health uh, issue. And I don't think five innings of spring training uh, is enough for me to feel comfortable. But, um, you know, other people's uh, risk tolerance is different. Um, I just I'm very, very, very worried about his ability not to make through a season. Cause if I, if you could tell me I'll get three, four months of Tony, Tony Gonsolin, then that's probably worth this cost. I'm convinced I'm, I'm not convinced I'll get a month of Tony Gonsolin. So the, the injury risk is, um, is very real for me uh, with him. 
Yep, totally agree with you guys. I need to see it in spring training. I don't think they have a problem starting some of their younger dudes ahead of him if he needs some time to get healthy or whatnot. So I need to see it first for sure. Um, up next is Brady Singer going off the board at about 175 as early as 155. Had a great season in 2022, 150 innings pitch, 150 Ks, 10 wins. Worked deep into games with six innings pitch per game start and 94 pitches per game start. Um, do you guys think he needs to add a third pitch or improve anywhere to have this kind of sustained success, Jeff? Um, no, I think a lot of... I mean, there's Strider and there was... Um, there's always a few guys um, that end up doing it with two or with only two pitches, like they're just so elite. But there's no problem getting a guy with just two pitches in this range. Like they just, they pitch fine. This is who they are. There's no, it really kind of limits their upside um, on what they can do. I just think with Singer for me, I just, I have no faith, even as a Royals fan, that he's going to win many games. Like he won some last year, but man, that never could be four. And I would not be surprised at the end of the year um, that it's just like, that, that's all that happened. I mean, he wasn't great. He was good. You could stream him out. You, um, I had him on a lot of teams. I kind of noticed that, you know, his stats were good. The results didn't start great. But you kind of only started him 60, 70% of the time. There was just some of those games where you're just like, all right, he's up against Cleveland right now and one of their freaking great starters. I'm just not going with it. Um, the other things I'm not a hundred percent believer in a strikeout and walk rate right now. He was one of the, he was really lucky on his three, two counts. Rob, you'll be happy to know that I looked into it with him, but mm -hmm. he's just, he might, um, he's one that a lot of the guys that struggled that we all thought were better in 2001. This is one thing that they've struggled with and he's, he's got a pretty high one. So I actually think his strikeout and walks are going to head in, um, regress kind of quite a bit. So what we saw is probably, we're probably going to get a little bit worse pitcher and with just the limited um, pitches and being on the Royals, I think I'm going to kind of look otherwise. It's not bad, but I just don't think he's the, needs to go this high. Yeah. I mean, Singer is like Haley's comet, the Royals developing an actually like average <laughs> to above average pitcher. Like it happens once every 30 years. And when it's gone, it's gone. And you're not going to see it again until, you know, 2047. Um, so, I mean, like the two pitch thing, it, it can work if both your pitches are very good. And I do think Singer has two very good pitches. So I think, I think it can work for him, but I agree with uh, Jeff. There is so much more down. There are so many ways that Brady Singer's season from a fantasy perspective goes badly and that you don't make back your cost here <clears throat> and the upside of it all working out is really hard for me to see it coming together on the Royals and with Singer so I can see him both having a four ERA on the Royals I could also see him being quite good and as Jeff said having five wins so you put the two things together it's he won't he's not on my uh on my draft uh radar but it's it's nice that the royals have because the rest of the royals are like are are low-key in a world of like oakland and washington that everybody immediately says oh they're very bad 
Kansas City, they have some good players now. So they, they, they have a couple of guys. So people don't think they're a garbage team. Kansas City is really, really, really bad still. Like their pitching staff is atrocious, including uh, Singer. Um, so it's going to be a long season for, uh, for Jeff's beloved Royals uh, again this year. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm a little torn on Brady Singer too because I think he's very similar to Logan Gilbert. Um, maybe not in terms of the amount of pitches they have, but he's got a better K rate, better walk rate, um, pretty similar pitches actually across the board. And so I guess maybe that to me, it makes Logan Gilbert overpriced, but I guess both things you know, can be, both things can be true at the same time. Both, wrong, yeah, uh, very, very true. <laughs> Logan, Gil- Logan Gilbert can be overpriced and, uh, and Brady, Brady Singer, uh, is, uh, also overpriced. Right. Yeah. Then this may too go into like the whole team constructing. If 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 you're relying on him to be your SP three, I think that's big. You know, big big a big F. But um, it's if he's your fifth starting pitcher, or if you're in a league where you're kind of streaming him off your bench, um, on his better starts, um, I don't think it's terrible. But um, sure. But I mean, if you've taken five starting pitchers, two relief pitchers in the what are we in eleventh round right now? Uh, <laughs> you, yes, it doesn't matter that Brady Singer. It's like can Brady Singer also DH for you? Because <laughs> like for him to be your fifth starting pitcher, you have gone very heavy in pitching, which which is not a bad strategy. It's just uh, it's a strategy. Yeah, I think last year in the draft champions, I got burned with not having enough pitching depth up top. So this year, I've just been a little more focused on getting, you know, more more arms earlier. So yeah, I've had been I've had builds where I'm I'm five or six pitchers in by by round ten, um, yeah. and and just rolling, you know, Nothing rolling bats for a little I'm bit. Not, please don't take my my sarcasm as no, me no, suggesting I'm, that's a terrible approach at all no I because that's most most people will not have the luxury of saying meh brady singer will be my I mean, maybe if you're in a 10 team league you do but most people will not have the luxury of saying he's my fifth starter brady singer so what does what does it really matter whether he's uh brady singer or not because he's my fifth starter i think most people he's their third or fourth starter at this point of the draft absolutely no i think and that and like what you said is actually the other side of my brain i i try to play um that that other side which each guy I'm picking but um you know I feel like um he's won out more often than than not I just think as a guy who's going to eat up innings and not be too bad for your team for sure but, um, for sure um Ty France first baseman Seattle Mariners going to pick 176 as early as 152 pretty straightforward 20 home runs 80 ribbies 65 runs 274 average um, how do you guys rate him, I guess, versus the other first baseman around here? And is he any bit of a target for you guys, Jeff? Um, I completely pass over him for Josh Bell. That's going a little bit later. I just have Josh Bell just so much higher than France. I kind of want people to still think France is second base qualified, which, mm. which is helpful. But I, I'm just, France is fine. He doesn't have like, elite he just doesn't do anything great he's kind of like the first baseman or i almost want him as like my corner and have him go a lot later but there's just more first baseman that i'd like to take a chance on maybe even corner guys than france so he just seems a little bit overvalued to me and 
I'm just like I said, I'm going to back off it just a little bit. It's it's not that he's bad. It's not like there's any major issues. It's just he just doesn't have like that elite power you're looking for here. And it's almost kind of more of a BABIP guy than like he has some of that. So absolutely no speed. Just going too high. As for compared me. to Josh Bell. You well, yeah, pivot, but pivot pivot to Josh Bell because you need some speed there, right, Jeff? Well, oh, I understand. It's this just is like, this is why people say I sound like, like a giant dick the whole you're podcast. Such a dick. Right. <laughs> well, if you're even getting five out of him, I think it would be great. But you're almost just getting nothing out of him. So um I just have to pass. Like I said, there are some first basemen you'll get that from, but he's just kind of a zero on it. Um, I hope everybody listens to uh, Jeff and knocks um, Ty France um, down at least three or four uh, rounds. So I, I put aside DCs because DCs position uh, matters a ton. Let's focus on fab leagues uh, more because uh, that's that's certainly where my brain is at. Uh, mm-hmm. I like Josh Bell fine, but I'd rather Ty France. Ty France to me is healthy Anthony Rendon Jr. Like that's the type of player he is. And he has more upside. Well, I mean, has more. I'm saying he has more upside than Anthony Rendon at this point is is uh, like praising with, uh, uh, with t- you know tainted fa- uh, praise or whatever the saying is. Um, but I really like the Ty France skill set. I know he had a rough second half last year, and we have such a bias um, for whatever reason analytically these days towards how did you finish in the last 30 days? Just tell me the last 30 days and I'll times it by six. And that's what I think you are uh, right now. And Ty, there's no doubt Ty France, part of it was luck. Um, um, but I, I, he's just a glue guy uh, to me, to a team. Like I like the, I like having a guy who contributes in home runs and counting stats who, when healthy plays every day, who gives you good batting average and, um, and there's still upside. You look at his first half. If he could do that for six months, um, then he's he's a really good player. So I acknowledge that there's a certain reality. I will only be able to roster three first basemen maximum on my team. And you pick your shots. And like if you get a Vlad or a Freeman, and then you only have two more spots you could take first baseman. At a certain point, even the even as somebody who poo-poos position stuff for fab leagues as I do at a certain point, there is an opportunity cost to taking a tie France who can only slot in at first base, but as just a play, uh, I quite like the skill set. I don't think he's a screaming bargain uh, at this price, but he's also a guy who I wouldn't be surprised if in Vegas, again, as starting pitchers uh, shoot up as some of the, the young, exciting, sexy guys uh, shoot up is available 20 picks, 25 picks later than this. So I think there will be drafts where regardless of where his ADP lands, where uh, Ty France is available close to 200. And there, I think he's a tremendous, tremendous buy if you can fit him onto your roster, given the position. He's he's creeping. uh, Last year, he's creeping into Anthony Rendon territory, sprained left elbow, sprained left wrist. But no, no, I said, I, I, said, I said Anthony Rendon Jr. I said Jr. <laughs> Jr. Jr. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't think there's anything really bad about Ty France. I, I guess he's just like, yeah, he's like white toast with bread, you know. Uh, I mean, with with butter. He's just there's at times you're gonna like, pay, okay, this is solid. Like, I need to fill my stomach. I'll I'll have it, but I don't really want it. But 
I, I like that. But this this is this is an eight dollar pick. I need to make twelve dollars uh, here. There's a time and a place where doing that is makes perfect sense. Again, there, maybe this is still a little bit rich, but there's a point mm -hmm. at which I really like Ty France uh, yep. this year as as a sleepy, boring Scott Genstad pick. Ooh, nice. Uh, he probably well, he probably yeah. won't like him. I haven't looked at Ty France's hard hit rates. So my guess is he actually doesn't like. I, I mean it more illustratively as opposed to sit, suggesting Ty, that Scott would actually be on Ty France. But that's the kind of pick that uh, that helps contribute to you winning leagues, not yep. winning leagues by themselves. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on to Jose Leclerc, supposed possibly closer of the Texas Rangers, going off the board at 176 as early as 143. Picked up five of his seven saves in September. Still walks a ton of guys, but his K percentage picked up in the second half. Are we buying that he is the guy in Texas, Jeff? Everything I've read, he is the guy. Um, there's talk that Hernandez may get this kind of the backup, but it's one of those two. If you want to grab Hernandez in a redraft league and take it, but he's one of those ones where they really right now don't have a better option. So he's, you're only picking him up for saves. There's projections have him as like a three, five ERA. I almost sort of buy that. So if you need saves and you have, and you're taking your chance and hoping that you get a Gregory Soto and he lasts the full year, this is the chance to do it. But um, I like I said, I just think that this this is going to be his price, and it may even go up higher since he's kind of got a job. It looks like you know no one else is signing there, so I think it's fine. I just hope he's not my first guy. How is it possible the Texas Rangers have spent about two and a half billion dollars on free agents <laughs> the last two off seasons, and they have Jose Leclerc as their best relief pitcher uh, right now? It's like there's two different questions. One, does Jose Leclerc have the job coming out of spring training? I can I can convince myself that that's true. And two, what are the odds that Jose Leclerc is able to hold that job for six months? And that's um, the odds of both of those things happening are relatively low. I'd certainly take the under on 20 saves for Jose Leclerc. 15, you could convince me, would be reasonable as a like as a Vegas line uh, for Jose Leclerc signs. This is a DC. Holy shit! I don't have enough saves. I have to uh, take saves. I have taken saves. I feel both dirty and good about myself that I took saves. Nobody drafts Jose Leclerc right now at this point of the draft and says it's all come together. I'm like, yes, the pl I, I had a plan. I have executed on the plan, and Jose Leclerc made the plan work. Like nobody does that. This is this is a fuck. It gets really bad after here. I better take Jose Leclerc. But like, could he pull a Soto and run with the job for six months? It's a, of course he could. It's just not a good bet that he's going to do it. But if in March we're in Vegas and the manager has come out and said Jose Leclerc is the closer in Texas, uh, he's going to easily two rounds earlier uh, than this. He's going to be part of the close, the shitty closer run in round whatever, 10, 11, whenever, whenever it kind of clusters around uh, for main event time. But, uh, but boy, um, this is, this, if, if you see me walk in the halls at the second break in Vegas and like, how's the draft going? Our safe word will be, I had to take Jose Leclerc <laughs> and just, 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 just avert your eyes, walk away you'll know how my draft is going if that's the so that's the code it's not going well i had to take jose leclerc 
<laughs> but we've all been there. Like joke jokes aside, we've all been there. Runs yeah. happen. Like it's there are only so many closers. Like I'm not trying to be like a hipster. Like I don't draft shitty closers. I'm too cool and good for that. It happens. Just understand you're taking a shitty closer when you take Jose Leclerc. It doesn't matter what the manager says. Right. Right. Uh, the one thing that gives me a little hope is that they um, Texas seems to be inclined to be pushing like, the, you know, the analytic page and, you know, pitch mix wise, he added a slider that was pretty, you know, pretty good. It was really good. So how much he can lean on the slider more and become more effective remains to be um, seen. But um, yeah, he's uh, I kind of like him in this range. I'm a, I'll probably be a little gutsy and take him. So there. Um, so when you're walking around after after the second break at Maine's, uh, and you say, "How's the draft going?" It's like I got me some Jose Leclerc. I'll know like Rob's nailing this shit. He's he's getting nailing he's getting shit. getting it just getting his guys. I'm just gonna walk in with a T-shirt that already says I have Jose, Jose Leclerc the jer- already. The jersey. Yeah. You're gonna have the authentic <laughs> the authentic Rangers jersey. The jersey. With Jose, Le- yeah. Jose Leclerc. It won't be his actual number. It'll be 23 because that's the year that he's gonna lead you to glory, Jose Leclerc. And people will be confused. It's like Jose. I don't think Leclerc wears 23, Rob. It's like no, no, no. This is because he's on my team this year, and we're gonna win. Absolutely. No way. You guys are wrong. It's going to be after the first break. He's pushing them up to the top 10 rounds, dude. It's not going to be that second break. Get your guys. Don't don't mess <laughs> around. Don't play it. Don't play ADP chicken with this shit. <laughs> All right. Let's bring it home with Mr. Brandon Nimmo. 177 ADP. Um, he's finally healthy. Sixth in the league in runs. 15th in plate appearances. And leads the league in Time from home to first on walks, which I think it should be the second category after in our your barrel league. league. Yeah, in yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, but I would have to say he only had three staled, but as a Met fan, I watched him be aggressive in September when they kind of needed his spark. They needed something, and he just took off in a 10-day span, he stole his three bases. I don't know if there's more in the tank there, if they were just saying, Hey, just stay on the field for us, but it could be there if he taps into it. Jeff, what do you think? They actually admitted somewhere in um, one of my mining the news, the team, he said the team told him not to run to stay on the field. Like, don't steal bases. So that's why he didn't steal bases. And he wants to do it this year. So projections don't know that. You give him even like five extra, you know, just beyond that. and Not even looking at the other rules, but just if he pulls an extra one per month, I think he's a great buy. I like he's one where I just see him again going quite a bit earlier, but he's also so boring. Like people don't like this profile and maybe I'm just going to just keep grabbing those guys through here, but um, he gets the runs. He'll hit at the top of the lineup, home run steals, good batting average, ideal pick. And he's probably, like I said, He's one I could actually just see move down because people just don't want that. They want some kind of Cody Bellinger's, you know, jack three home runs so far. So they're moving him up. And so Nimmo is going to have to be the one heading down. Um, He is the poster boy for why injury risk and labeling guys injury risk when you're dealing with hitters is largely bullshit. His plate appearances by year was 215, 535, 254, 225, 386. So before last year, that was his range of plate appearances, and he was the easiest guy in the world, not named Brian Buxton, uh, Byron Buxton, uh, to to say uh, he just can't stay healthy. And then he has six hundred and seventy three plate appearances. Um, he is 
a better real life player than he is fantasy though. Last year, everything went perfectly for uh, Brandon Nimmo and he wasn't a top hundred player. Like, so I'm not saying this is a bad price for him, but acknowledge um, let's park the speed argument uh, for a second. Like I don't see a lot more power coming for him. There is no more playing time compared to last year. Last year truly was the perfect playing time uh, scenario. Uh, for him there's no more runs coming for him that was also largely uh, correlated uh, perfect for him I've, I've pulled up your mining the news on on brandon uh, nimmo uh, here on how he plans to steal more bases jeff and i'll read the quote the because of our science department first i'm sure it's news to mets fans that there is a science department uh at the mets uh we have a little bit more information nimmo said the guy in center field usually has a higher load throughout the year the mets said let's make sure i remain in center field and i'm in the leadoff spot every day it was more of let's stay on the field and let's make sure we take care of the defense in center field and the offense from the leadoff spot that's where the team really wanted me to help out uh, that all makes sense. Like that, that all sounds logical. The question is, why isn't the science department of the Mets going to tell him the same thing this year? We'd like you on the field. We want you leading off. We want you playing center field, but we think now you can steal 25 bases. Like it does, it just doesn't follow logically, especially just the, the nature of baseball teams after it worked last year, not stealing bases kept him healthy. And therefore, like this is this is bad jujubes, if nothing else. So now you're going to become this big leader. So I just don't buy it. I I, I wouldn't pay a penny for more stolen bases. So I, I, I sound now very negative on Brandon Nimmo. I don't mean it that way at all. Again, there's real value in taking guys with high, relatively high floors who are you're just kind of breaking even here. Uh, I think that's what you're sort of doing with Brandon Nimmo is you're cranking out a couple of dollars. I don't think it's a huge upside uh, play here, but if you use pick 100 and whatever this is for Brandon uh, Nimmo, 160, 160, 170, what pick are we at, Rob? 177. 177, and you get a, a top 100, top 110 player. That's great. Like, that's really good. Um, I think I, th I, I would just regress down the playing time uh, a bit for Brandon Nimmo. Like you, you can't project anybody for 670 uh, plate appearances. And I think some of the uh, public projections are just too optimistic on Brandon uh, Nimmo's uh, playing time. Uh, and not because I think he's going to be injury prone again, but like he's going to sprain an ankle and miss five games at some point. It's just the nature of, uh, of baseball. But I think Brandon Nimmo's uh, a really, really solid pick here. Right field coming in eight feet. Let's go. <laughs> Putting in a speakeasy lounge, which seems to be the cool thing to do these days at the parks. Uh, bring in, give an excuse to move the uh, field in a little bit. But based, um, based, based, based on my knowledge, Rob, Mets fans need to be able to drink while watching the Mets. So this is uh, this is not a bad thing if you're a Mets fan. <laughs> Definitely not. Awesome stuff, gentlemen. I think we had another fantastic episode here and um, can't wait to keep keep cruising down this ADP list that we have here. Any oh, parting words? Anybody? Hopefully I wasn't as big a dick this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, none here. Hey, one thing I will say. Um, at Fangrass, we've been working on it for a while and we um, finally have um, rankings out. Um, I've agreed only I'm only doing the hitters, but trying to add in as many notes as I possibly can. 
and we'll try to just to keep them up. There's a different formats for on base points, roto. Um, the catchers are a little wonky because we had to kind of pick a format with them. So just kind of put them in your order and do them with that. But no, there's quite a bit of work there and hopefully we'll be able to um, add a lot more notes and comments for people going forward. I'm trying to put a lot of the stuff reminding the news into there. And we talk a lot about like NFBC players, but there's obviously a ton of people who play home leagues, who play Yahoo, and that's amazing. And I think it's a great resource of Fangraphs uh, for uh, for a lot of those players who like maybe haven't been doing mock drafts like Rob here and DCs since October, November for this year. August. Who, just, who 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 have you know six six weeks to get ready for their draft, and I think what Jeff and and the crew at, uh, at Fangraphs have uh, been doing can uh, can be very helpful for for some of those. Jeff, is there a tab for that? Um, I mean, if you go to fantasy, okay, and it says fantasy expert rankings, yeah, the expert David Appleman loves the word expert, so um, I think we we're trying to get it to analysts, but it didn't work, so we are experts. At least they at least spored and put like quotation marks around like <laughs> fantasy expert rankings. If I were Paul Spore, I would not have been able to resist putting like experts in quotation marks. But that, that's why that's why I'm the dick and Spore is like the fifth ranked fantasy analyst in the country or whatever he was on the, the list last night on Twitter. Yeah. The um the deal is is like me and Spore have no idea on um how to even code that to go up there. Like that's um beyond us. It's tough enough for us just to get our numbers straight and our notes put in. Like how they had to do that, we broke it about a thousand times. So this should have been out a while ago. We um we weren't your um best people, but no to get it. But no, um I'm trying to just add the notes. I put a notes down for anyone. I went through anyone. I put as a bust or a sleeper. Made sure I had something in there on why. But um I'm just going through and just adding what I think kind of the projections you know, or how they think they would change for it. So. Absolutely. Awesome stuff, Jeff. And I just want to let you guys know your beer worthiness. Both of you guys are off the charts, so I can't wait, but um, <laughs> cheers can't believe to they it. gave me a seven out of 10 for having a beer. Like I'm, many things. I'm a great guy to have a beer with. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, you might be in for something after that, but I mean, you know, yeah, exactly. hundred percent. If, if mine would have went up any bit, I well, you probably had to keep me off that number one spot. Like, no way in the hell is Zimmerman going to move up that far. So it was like freaking knock him down. I got bush light in my fridge right now. So I, I don't know if he was using some weird regression formula, and that's why I got a 7 out of 10. But anyways, I just I dispute my uh, my beer worthiness. Everything else I'm fine with. My Canadian accent docking me a couple of points I'm comfortable with. I understand that, but fuck, it pissed me off that he didn't Just for two words. You got docked for two words. This clear uh, fake account with 42 followers uh, doesn't want to have a, uh, a beer with me like Go fuck yourself, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Fantastic. Awesome, guys. And uh, we'll catch everyone next week again on the Launch Angle Podcast. Once again, everyone, thank you for tuning in to the Launch Angle Podcast. I think we all meshed really well. We're starting to get our groove together and bringing you various angles into the player evaluation for 2023 Fantasy Baseball and I think we really brought you some actionable advice and information here. And we're just going to keep it going in this ADP. We're going to keep rolling as far as we can up until the baseball season starts. And spring training is coming up. A lot of news. 
hopefully you're far enough in your prep that you can absorb the news and react accordingly instead of trying to do both. So um, the point is coming where it's, it, it's, it's tough. So you're going to have to absorb a lot of information and do your player evaluations as well if you haven't done so. But that's why you're listening to these fantastic baseball podcasts that are available. So keep supporting the show. Thank you for the ratings, the reviews, the emails, all that fun stuff. Really tremendous support and we all appreciate it a lot. And that's it. Keep coming back to smarten up. That's all we're going to do. Keep getting better. Everybody enjoy your time and we'll catch you next week.